0: Las mayores ofertas del año de LL Flooring, con descuentos de hasta 25% en 340 pisos, porque no hay mejor lugar que nuestra casa. Y este año cambiamos nuestros hogares para que se asemejen a muchos lugares diferentes.
1: Con las grandes ofertas de LL Flooring, puedes obtener
0: pisos aptos para todo tipo de espacios. Visite llflooring.com para comenzar. Lambert Liquidators
1: es ahora LL Flooring. Las ofertas de otoño tienen vigencia hasta el 20 de octubre.
0: Every day. Welcome and thank you today for joining us. You're listening
1: to Society
0: Bites Radio and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer.
1: And I'm Sherry Himmer and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul.
0: For the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy and well-being.
1: So in our last segment... We were, through the eyes of Betsy, kind of going through this process of understanding the concept of love, the principle of love, or the feeling of love, or the action of love. And and she was kind of left with separating those things out because she had heard the sermon and was kind of left confused. And yeah. then she started, to, her awareness was raised by the sermon to a point that when she was experiencing with her grandchildren and seeing them in different ways or contemplating about what was happening in marriage, she saw love differently.
0: And it was when her husband called her and was frustrated because he was arguing with a client of his um, that he said, look, it's not about the money, Betsy. It's about the principle that she tuned into. There's three aspects of love now. So there's a principle of love. There's the application of love. That's the call to action. And then there's the results or the feeling of love. And in the last segment, I left you by asking, is love conditional or unconditional? And what do you come up with as your definition of love? What are your principles? What are your applications? And what are your results? So I've been saddled with this for years. And I remember I was on a five-mile run with a buddy of mine. And we are having this conversation because we would read an article by one of my church leaders, our church leaders. And um, he argued that God's love is conditional. And this is a long time ago, and I thought, oh, I've never heard anything like that before. Because that goes against what I was taught. And so it was unsettling. It didn't mean I didn't agree. It didn't mean I agreed. It means I didn't know what I didn't know. So that would be uh, a consciously incompetent moment, right? I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn what I didn't know, so I had some sort of confidence with respect to it. So let me tell you where I've gone with this. Um, I went to... Because it was a religious setting in which this happened, I went to the Bible and I started studying what does love really mean? Is it conditional, or unconditional, etc.? From
1: from the acts of God in
0: the yeah, Bible. Because it was argued that God's love was conditional, and I needed to understand why. So I started asking everyone, clients, friends, family, what is is God's love conditional or unconditional? Um and for the most part, people, when I was asking it way back when would argue no, it's unconditional. Is a mother's love conditional or unconditional? Most people would argue it's
1: unconditional. unconditional.
0: So yeah, that's the, the preset that I came with. And so that's why it was hard for me to accept that I have a church leader who said it's God's love's conditional. So there had to be context there that I didn't understand, and that's kind of where I went with it. And with the research that I did, I found, indeed, he's, he's probably right, um, based upon what I researched, because I went to the uh, scripture in John that said, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee. So I always thought that God's love and loving God is kind of the process of, you know, moving to this great place after life um, to be with him. And I find that the etymology of the word in the Greek and in the Hebrew has a little bit different connotation. So let me share with you what we found. So, is God's love conditional, unconditional? Is a mother's love conditional, unconditional? I have three definitions of love as the principle. Number one principle is to see good in others. Now, can you see good in others?
1: Meaning, can you see good in anyone or everyone? Right. And everyone would push it to an unconditional state. And if you can do that, then that's
0: an unconditional aspect of love. Now, the application is not the same.
1: Now The interesting thing about it is that that act of seeing others comes from you. It has really nothing to do about them. And so you can't unconditionally love because of what you do to yourself Correct. and how you apply that principle to your worldview.
0: So let's take Hitler. Exactly. Okay. That's a long, long time ago. Fairly safe space, I hope. So, can you see good, can you love Hitler? Can you see good in Adolf Hitler? Well,
1: let's look (sighs) at… Okay, I snort and laugh because it's like, it's too hard. That's my gut reaction, like, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to see good in everyone. I can look at the children across my classroom and even though some get, you know, are snarky or misbehave or whatever, I do love all my kids in my classroom as a teacher. But if Hitler, Adolf Hitler, was, was, Hitler us, was in my classroom, I don't
0: know. Adolf Hitler gave us the, Volks, the VW. Called the Volkswagen. And that's August. supposed to make me love them? Okay, let's go, <laughs> let's go on. It's an unconditional. I Can know, you see I'm good trying. in him?
1: I'm trying.
0: He did good. He tried to do good in many areas. Now, was he misled? Yes. Did he harm people? Yes. But the fact is, Hitler did some good for the German people for a season. And that is just such it. a
1: tough exercise when you know the end result. It is so tough.
0: Exactly. And it's, but that's why it's okay. possible. It's possible to unconditionally see good in others. It doesn't mean he, Ted Bundy, did Ted Bundy's mother still see good in Ted Bundy? Yeah.
1: I said that one's easier for me to swallow, even though I grew up in Tacoma where Ted Bundy came from and I even knew his little brother. But it, he was in my class. We grew up in the same school. No, little brother was. Right. But Ten Benny came from my neighborhood. Right. He killed girls in my neighborhood. It's really hard. But, but it's really hard. I'm not saying it's
0: easy. Mm-mm. I'm only asking. But I did know his mom. She it, was a
1: sweet woman. Is and, it
0: possible? Is it possible to see good in anybody?
1: Okay, on a limited basis. I didn't say everything. Right, right. Okay. You've got to go to that limitation. Hence, it, I said the Volkswagen. Because there's a difference between do I see some good or good results from people or no. do I see them as good? And that there's a big difference. I agree with that. Okay.
0: He's not, <clears throat> let's leave it at that. That was well said. In other words, it's possible to unconditionally see good in anybody. In it's even possible. limited ways and we don't we haven't done this yet but i have this thing called the five understandings of flow and in the five understandings of flow one of the understandings is that every every action has a positive intent every action has a positive intent now this will take some cranial work yeah it's really, when you when it's you start when
1: you use that hitler example with of... but what is it, what was his intent we can leave it rhetorical. don't yeah, yeah. So you study it, you see his
0: intent. And I'm not looking for someone to agree with me that Hitler was a good person. I'm not going there. I'm saying, is it possible to see that what he was really trying to do had had an intent? And this is where we've talked about this. What was his childhood like? What was it growing up for him like? What was he trying to accomplish with what he had? He was doing the best he could with what he had. Every parent does that. And we have some pretty terrible parents in the world today but they are doing the best they can with what they have despite the fact they have multiple addictions multiple challenges and they don't know better they're unconsciously incompetent and some people intentionally incompetent but is it possible to see good now you don't have to agree with okay
1: as long as even in a limited way
0: yeah that's all i said yeah good thank you that was fun
1: but that's where there's a difference of seeing Any good versus as good.
0: Yeah, we're not trying to see them as good.
1: Can you see any
0: good in any person? Picture yourself as a God. That's pretty hard to do. But just picture God for a second. Can God see good in every creation?
1: Yes. Yes. Can a
0: mother see good in every one of her offspring?
1: I know, man. That's, That's a tough one when you go like, okay, I believe that all people are children of God. I believe I'm a child of God. Is Hitler a child of God? No, he's the son of Satan.
0: Well, and we, but,
1: but no, I guess in a way he wasn't. Oh, that's really hard to say that. All right. But, yeah. I, but because he came to this earth, he had to be a child of God somehow.
0: We, we oftentimes... But we, that's
1: what I'm looking at is just as a principle. I'm not our, looking at the opposite. Well, our ability
0: to be empathetic yeah. in this situation. Yeah. We don't understand what it's like for them to go through mm-hmm. what they went through. We only see the end result. Yeah. So we don't see everything that went on before the end result you know, doctor, uh, side note real quick, Dr. Covey tells the story in, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He got on the subway on a Sunday morning, and there was, it was pretty quiet. Everyone's reading their paper, and everyone was maybe six or seven people, as I remember the story. And then a man gets on with four of his children and sits next to Dr. Covey, and the kids are out of control. They're bouncing off the walls. Now, do you see good in the kids? They're uncontrolled. The dad's clueless. He's looking stargazed, right? He's like deer in the headlights. He's not even present. And his kids are snotty noses and loud and bumping people and disturbing their quiet. Now, at initial glance you go, this isn't a good scenario. You
1: think rotten dad, kids out of control, bad. Clueless father.
0: And then Covey, feeling obligated because he was sitting next to him, leaned over to the man and said, Sir Um, It seems like your children are making a lot of noise and they're out of control. They might need a little bit of help. Would you like me to help you? And I I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but that's the gist of it. And the dad just kind of snapped out of it like, oh, yeah, I'm on a subway right now. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, We just came from the hospital a few minutes ago where their mother passed away. And it seems like they don't know how to handle it, and, and I don't either. And everyone sitting in the near vicinity heard him say that. Mm-hmm. Within moments, candy came out, chewing gum came out, kind words. kind words, and loving and care. And People were now applying the principle of love to see people, the good in people. Mm-hmm. And they were working with the children, talking to the children. It changed the scenario. It changed the energy on the subway. Yeah. Because they were empathetic. They saw it through the man's eyes. Okay. Now, principle. So, unconditional see good in others. Okay. Conditional. Mutual trust and respect. Emotional intimacy. Now, why is that conditional?
1: Um, Yeah, there's people that I've had in my life that, you know, I could say they were my friend and, and I could see the good in them. But they had burned me sometimes. And I got to a point where I didn't trust them. I I came away with, okay, I know them better. And I wouldn't trust them with maybe the most intimate aspects of my emotional life because of how things went down, right? And so they're a friend in a limited sense. I can see their good intentions even though they mess up. But I'm not going to trust them. And I didn't feel like it was mutual, I didn't feel like they, you know, came through in certain things that were agreed upon and clear. And so Uh maybe I forgave them for trespasses, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust them again in the future. And I can move through the relationship more comfortably knowing I don't have to trust them explicitly.
0: Okay, so you've got these people you know, you call them friends, I would call them acquaintances, a friend to me is a very sacred word, but the point being—yeah,
1: maybe more of an acquaintance.
0: Okay, but but it's conditional, right? What limits your ability to love them?
1: So the first definition: seeing good in them, I can I'm, I can love them unconditionally in very that good. regard.
0: Okay, what limits you to love them conditionally? So um there's the condition. It's a right, limit.
1: that when they say they'll do something, they don't come through.
0: So you're saying their behavior limits your ability to give them more of your love. So I'm
1: almost using love synonymously with the word trust. Exactly
0: right. Yeah. Is that not possible with God? God can see good in all of his children. But God's love is governed by us, not by God. So when I say God's love is conditional, most people go, but he's God. Right. It's not about well, him But I'm a mother. I can love And all I'm trying to do is give you more clarity to the story. And let me reframe that. This is what's helped me understand the term love, the principle Mm -hmm. of love. I am conditioned to love my 15-year-old child or my 16-year-old child by my child's lack of growth. Because he's 15, he's 16. I'm not going to give him the keys to my car, at least not right now. You're limited by your these people, you know, because they're not trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Some people are self-governing. They're self-limiting because they don't trust and respect self. I am of worth. My relationships are based on mutual trust and respect. Well, you can't have a relationship on trust and respect if you don't trust and respect self. Mm -hmm. You just self-governed. You can't love God till you love self. You can't love another till you love self. Now the principle starts getting roots. And I can understand that makes sense to me. Because the principle of love is both conditional and unconditional. It's the conditional side that needs work. And the more you move from conditional or uh, uh, more you can understand the conditional side and grow it, trust and respect, the happier, the more fulfilled you will be. Now, there's a third definition or a third aspect of the principles that I've come across, and this comes from the documentary In Utero. Now, there's multiple versions of In Utero. It is the one with Dr. Gabor Mate. Now, I've seen a couple others on YouTube. They're not nearly as interesting, and this one starts out immediately with Gabor Mate explaining what's going on in the world with people. But the point being is. The very last doctor interviewed on the documentary said, when babies are understood, babies are loved. I thought, whoa, that's powerful.
1: Well, that's interesting because that empathetic understanding, when you think about love in that way, it can happen in a conversation. It can happen in these fleeting moments. And it can happen with anybody. Anybody. And it could even happen, I'll say it, with Hitler. Like if you were to have a conversation with Hitler to say, this is so crazy to even imagine, right? But to say, tell me what you were thinking when you did it. this and this and this. What were you thinking?
0: And I would go earlier. What was it like when you were born? What was it like when you were four? He may not remember, but wouldn't it be interesting to find out what his parents were like, what it was like in utero for him, right. what it was like growing up? What was the political dynamics yeah. of the day?
1: So take Hitler aside, because I know viscerally that just flies in the people. face. Right. It, it, we're we conditioned to, to burn him at the stake yeah. and, and and maybe justified. It's justified, right, in our minds. But what about the person that you disagree with? What about the person that's voting for a different candidate? For president, than you. I
0: know. We drove in you- the, first, the first day coming into our new home.
1: New neighborhood?
0: Three or four signs of of um, the Democratic candidate. And then we said three or four signs of the Republican
1: candidate. <laughs> you know, we have a mixed neighborhood. <laughs> no, it's like, great. Right, we've got balance here. I'm happy about <laughs> that because I love it when there's a little bit of mix up and right. diversity. And you would know, always expect that in a neighborhood in right. Texas. In fact, that was not what we saw driving all the way to Texas. So it was no, great that Texas is, get off the stereotypes of Texans being only one way, because there is diversity. Well, we are near Austin, right? Yeah, and, and that's good balance. But, so when you're having that discussion with your husband and, or your wife, and you say you love them, but can you empathetically understand them when you disagree?
0: That's the key.
1: That's so, when it really hits home. Get off of Hitler and get to the people that matter in your life.
0: When when you understand another person and when that other person feels understood, not a biased understanding, when you actually are open and reflective to another person's perspective, you love that other person. Now, I'm going to make this just a little bit political. Where is the love in our society today with everything that's going on Professional sports have now got it. Collegiate sports are doing it. This entire movement from one direction or another from an observer who's not getting himself involved in politics right now is simply saying, where's the love? Where's the understanding? Do they really empathetically understand the other person's position? Do they have contextual understanding of what's going on? Or is this an offensive holding a grudge, knee-jerk moment with stereotype biases, which are all cognitive distortions moving forward. These are rhetorical questions that are are meant to stir thought, Mm -hmm. not meant to take a side. When thought is stirred and then you start asking yourself these questions, hopefully resolution moves forward because this is not a biased position. It's not designed to be a biased position. It's designed to be a principle position, which is neutral. There's no call to action. But the call to action, and that now we're going to go over that. Let's do the three calls to action okay. applications. So seeing good in others.
1: That means you can serve people. Sacrifice. So you don't have to trust them to serve them. So that's one thing. You don't have to serve with the expectation that right. they're going to reciprocate. You can, you can make a sacrifice in serving because the goodness of yourself and because you know that there's good in all people.
0: And, and moving to the, uh, what Covey said, you know. The, I, I the basically results? No, just yes. the sacrifice, serve, appreciate, affirm, show affection, affect, etc. Those are applications. That's what you do. Right. But the, And I need to make an adjustment here. Um, in order to, the application to mutual trust and respect is learning how to understand. It's learning the, the secret sauce to having an effective dialogue which we've yet to do. We want to do the, um,
1: anatomy, of a conversation. the anatomy of a
0: conversation. But the, in the anatomy of a conversation, that's the application to mutual trust and respect. Part of that is empathetic listening, We're learning how to remove bias, go neutral, ask a question based upon it. the answer to go vertical, to remove yourself from horizontal conversations. So remember Hyman Rickover's quote, small minds discuss people Average minds discuss events, which should be somewhat like politics, sports. Great minds discuss ideas. Empathetically listening is finding out what's going on in their mind, in their heart, in their life, what makes them tick. So you see life through their eyes. So those are the applications to love. What are the results? What are the feelings? Warmth, a burning in the heart excitement. Um, It's very satiable. Mm -hmm. Um, A mutual trust and respect or an empathetic listening is incredibly satiable. It feels good, and it feels good all over. So let's finish this little case study, Sherry. Um, So we're
1: going to pick up So let's go back to Betsy. So she thought about these different categories of love, and she figured there was a better way to name the construct. There is love as a principle, which we've been really honing in on, and it's universal and a profound system of living. And this seem to harmonize her understanding of the term.
0: Then there's the action part. That's the verb. This is the application of the principle. And remember, applications are self, personal. They're my applications, not Sherry's applications. To apply love, one must sacrifice, give service, and empathetically listen. Each application is a personal call to action.
1: And the feeling part is the result of practicing the principle. Love as a principle is not always a call to action. It is a standalone entity that, if understood and practice, delivers a specific result every time. And it has
0: to be every time or it's not a principle.
1: Yeah. Therefore, it qualifies as a principle with an application and a predictable result. So in bold,
0: just think of it this way. There's a, it's a sequence. Love as a principle is driven by an application, the call to action, and produces a predictable result. So one more time, love as a principle, is driven by an application, and produces a predictable result.
1: So, you know, Betsy had felt warm all over, especially like when she hugged her grandchildren. Hmm, she thought, warmth is a result. What is the warmth the result of, Well, what is the principle? Ah, the principle of being a lifelong learner. And what's a lifelong learner as a principal, she asked herself? And
0: this is another one of my little things. Well, it's not the same as a self-help junkie. A self-help junkie doesn't study or read for the purposes of changing or growing, but rather for the purpose of checking something off of a list or discovering the dysfunctions of other people. The application of being a lifelong learner is to internalize, ponder, meditate, connect dots and learn how to improve oneself for the purpose of serving others. And service to others is an application of love, which, when applied, results in wonderful feelings that are satiable.
1: So what she did in that process of really separating out, separating out the principle of love, the application of feeling, is that she discovered that she learned something. And that in itself, lifelong learner, is a principle. Right. So. We've got layers to that lifelong learner principle. You can seek knowledge for the personal pr- purpose of personal growth. Well,
0: that's the principle. You seek knowledge okay. for the purpose
1: of personal growth. But you can also advocate and prioritize self-growth and care. And you can put your efforts are for the purpose of serving others. So those so are those those the things I'm learning for the aspect of being able to expand good influence.
0: So this entire thing, and let's summarize this, this entire thing moves into other areas of principles, areas of happiness, joy, well-being, safe space, trust and Mm -hmm. respect, friendship. These are all principles that we can live by, And we
1: talk about these on our podcast here all the time, and we try to show applications. And we're going to do that in our next segment as well. We're going to take the life of my best friend, college roommate, and talk about what she did with principles and applications and tell her story coming up
0: yeah so thanks everyone for listening Uh, in the next segment we are going to talk about sherry's best friend who just passed away and uh sherry and, and we had a real neat experience with her just before she passed away so take care we look forward to talking to you again
1: Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry,
0: he likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com.
1: Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael.
0: I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot.